welcome to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. Focused on providing valuable information for anyone looking to undertake a new build or extension project. We'll share our tips, tricks and stories from a building designer's perspective. And welcome to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. I'm your host, Amelia, and once again, we're joined by Frank Geskes. Hey, Amelia. How are you? Good. Happy Friday. Again. How you, again. How are you? I forgot to ask. How are you feeling? Oh, look, the COVID's run away, so I'm all good now. <laughs> oh, man. Still around, isn't it? It's still around. It's still not very fun. I don't recommend it. No. Yet some people just doesn't affect them. I know. Not me. I was off for a whole week. (laughs) Oh, and it was longer than that, wasn't it? No, it was was a week. Oh, eight days. So, yeah, yeah, I was off Tuesday and then I came back the following Wednesday. Which knocks you around a bit, doesn't it? It certainly does. But I'm back in good spirits and good health. (laughs) I have a glass of wine in front of me. Don't tell anyone. Well, that's just medicinal. That's that's exactly right. That will keep all of the bad flus and COVID away. (laughs) And... uh, we're going to talk about affordability. Oh, what a tough subject you've chosen there. Because yeah. this, this, this is actually makes me a little bit, oh, sad isn't the right word, but it's a bit shattering at the moment. It's really hard for people to build what they want to build compared to literally three years ago. It's astronomical how the prices have gone up on everything. Yeah, it's suddenly, you know, first home buyers, they're looking at loans that are... Really Probably double what they would have been five Th- years three, ago. Three years ago. Yeah, it's it's yeah, incredibly Because yeah. I've got that hard. example with my son and his wife. And yeah, what they were able to do it for pre-during COVID type stuff mm-hmm. to what is now, even the block of land they've bought, you know, it's uh, there's a new release, a new stage, and it's like 80% more. That's, than what they paid for. Yeah, and, that's and, all, and, and I must clarify, because we're in Launceston, Tasmania, the, the prices have gone really through the roof for the land. And I think Hobart is even worse. Yeah, yeah. I think they've had a greater increase because that's just purely on demand. Mm-hmm. They overtook Brisbane uh, in uh, the cost of, uh, as in the medium house price. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Hobart's been so popular. Don't know why. Nah, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> to be mates in Hobart, I'm only joking. You know I love you. I'm down there every week. <laughs> I've got to love Hobart. Yeah, it's it's been a really tough one and also with some customers to, to go through the journey of their, their projects. We've had some projects fall over because the build cost, they can't do it anymore. Then the finance isn't catching up. The valuations aren't catching up and they're too slow, not keeping up with the cost increases. And it's tough. Like we used to have lots of challenges years and years ago where some of the valuers couldn't understand the cost increase of building on a steep site to a flat site, you know, because you're looking you be a 20% increase on a build when you've got a bit of a slope on your site. But now it's just like all the pricing has just gone berserk. But to be fair, also the hourly rate of everyone who works on your house or your project has gone up. But it has to. Because the cost of living. Exactly. It, 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 it's like this vicious circle. Yeah. I'm no economic expert or anything, but you can just see it. We know for ourselves the base cost of everything from 
power to rent to fuel to just our computer costs went through the roof just buying computers and then the people that supply us our software went through the roof like they decided well because of what happened in the ukraine the price of diesel and covid i'm increasing the price of my software Wow. You know, you know, subscription base, and I'm going, mm-hmm. and it's it's a big hit for us. Yeah, and, and I know all the other design and architects have faced exactly the same stuff. So then the hourly rates of everyone goes up, and I'm, I've seen builders uh, having to put their rates up purely because they've got to pay their staff more because they've got to keep them because there's so much work on. Yeah, so it's this vicious circle. And then they're trying to fit it with inside the price of their contracts. But if, if I look at the affordability for the average person, yep, it's a lot tougher now. It's so much tougher to be able to first buy the block of land, second to actually afford to build the house, especially if you bought the land, say, a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, I can do that. I can build a house because it's going to be approximately this per square metre. Fast forward two years, that square metre's rate has potentially jumped up by 30%, if not 40%. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, because the supplies, and what I found really intriguing, and I'm going to hang myself out here, during COVID there were some big price increases due to supply issues. Now the supply issues are starting to back off. I don't know if all those prices have come down at all. Mm, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. because you know, freight's equalised now. So, yeah, I don't know enough about it, but I feel for people. But now you bang for your buck, you've got to work a lot harder to get your deposit, work a lot harder to be able to get into the market now. Even, well, you've seen the price of buying a house, second-hand house, you know, it could be 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, whatever. Your old red brick, timber window frame, tile roof, classic stuff, and wow, that's expensive. I know. Crazy, insane for yeah. a basic, your basic house, you know. You know, a house that I bought about seven years ago. Yeah. It's, it's more than doubled its value. And it, there is nothing special about the house. It is no. a basic 1950s brick home. But that's what it is, though. And then you look at building houses, because there's always that ratio of buying, building, renovating. You've got these ratios to see, oh, it's cheaper to build than to buy. Well, now, you know, it has it, and I haven't done my research, is it cheaper to buy than build? Is it cheaper to renovate your existing house than buy mm-hmm. a new house or build a new house? haven't done my numbers, but that's what you've got to consider. I actually had this exact conversation last night at the dinner table, trying to figure out, because my husband and I, we would love to build. Yeah. I mean, we've renovated... I know a good, I know a good designer. I, yeah, well, I, I, know of, I know of a designer. <laughs> Probably down the road somewhere. Oh, rude. <laughs> so rude. We would love to build because we have renovated now two houses and we're completely over-renovating. We, we do not want to renovate, but the cost of building... When we look at what we want and what you can buy established, you just get so much more bang for buck buying established. But sometimes establish is not efficient. True. It's cold, it's horrible. Let's be fair. Yeah. Older houses aren't as nice to live in generally because of the coldness. Coldness, is that even a word? (laughs) I mean, you know, because of the amount of power that you have to go in, the thermal comfort, how it functions, you know. And even repairs down the track. Yeah, maintenance. Good maintenance point. for that is, yeah. you know. The old timber fascias and, gu- and 50-year-old gutters and that's busted it. tiles. And mm-hmm. But, yeah, and that's just on the outside, you know. Yeah, affordability. But you know what I don't see a lot of, though? 
What's that? When I yeah, first got married and we rented for a little while, then we bought a house. We yeah, we bought a pretty ordinary house, to say the least, and, and just to get ourselves established in there. I'm not seeing that much when I sit with my friends, kids and other people. They don't want to do that. They don't want to get, shall I say, the crappiest house in the street. Now, to be fair, the crappiest house isn't always the che- is cheap anymore, is it? So, but no. it, it's getting that starting, and it's it's this whole thing. I need to have this. I need to have a really nice house to start with, rather than deal with a dunger that you've got to fix up a bit. Yeah, now, you've said yourself you've renovated twice. It is hard to renovate and live in the filth of building. Oh, it is, it brutal. is. and you know if you doing it like I was it's years of you know saving up a bit and a bit more and a bit more and you just do bits at a time and as you can afford it exactly and if you've got kids to boot to go with that that's even harder oh yeah actually I'd love to mention this real Perla and I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about beautiful old farmhouse it had been tacked on and tacked on and tacked on all these rooms patchwork quilt yes and Probably, and the ceiling gets lower and lower as it yes, goes along, doesn't yes. it? Yes, <laughs> it's it's not legal at all. Half of it, I'm sure. That is a farm. That's what happens. Yeah, but in saying that, the renovations have been done in stages because it is such a huge project. It's insanely big, and what it's been renovated up to this point is probably the size of quite a generous size house. Yeah. But they've done it with kids and they've lived in the house, you know, in the filth, in the grunge while they've had their house renovated. And I, I take my hat off I to take them. my hat off to them too. And, the, you know, young kids, a young family. Stress levels. Good on that, them. You know, I find it amazing if yeah. you can do that. And talking to any young people out there, if you can have foresight to plan to, to renovate a house, it's as much as it really drives you around the bend sometimes to be able to complete something, the level of fulfilment is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done it myself, had very little money, did renos, all that, and, and it was character building to say the least. <laughs> You're still married, so it mustn't have been too bad. Well, then I built my own house after that and I'm still married. She didn't see me for seven months. Oh, gee. <laughs> but as a designer, it was the best thing for me to learn how to do this. But... You know, for me, in that case, building my own house and stuck to the budget, didn't change, just minor changes through it. I stuck with it. It gave us a really good step up, got into the housing market and we're still in the same house. It was a slog and it's worth doing the slog. But what are you willing to sacrifice to do it? Mm-hmm. I sacrificed a lot to do that, including my health. So... You obviously have to weigh up the pros and yeah, cons of what you, you can manage. And but it's this... <laughs> I used to see a lot of owner builders, and I was too. And it's like looking through life through rose-coloured glasses, and look, oh, I'm just building a house, and da da da. And they do build this complicated, ridiculous thing, and they can't finish it. I didn't. I kept it very simple in a lot of ways. But ask me if I'd do it again right now. No, you wouldn't. No. Why not? The toll it took on me physically and mentally and then away from the family and the kids i would not do that again now but for us it was to get a a step in the door with a nice new comfortable home but at the time i was young i was keen i had the energy i just couldn't do it now but i know guys my age i'm in my 50s that are still keen to do that type of stuff good on you you're a legend work hard 
get it done. So it's really, really impressive watching people working their tail off to do that. Yeah, and it's interesting if you look back at previous generations. I know my hmm. grandparents, yep. they immigrated from Italy, from Europe. Yep. And in order to get work and, you know, they built their own house on top of working full time as well. Like I don't, I don't know how and, they did and it. the hours they worked back yeah. then compared to now and the expectations, they flogged themselves. Oh, definitely. You know? And to be fair, affordability is, in some cases, and people are going to hate me saying it, is a mindset. What are you willing to sacrifice to get your house? And some people say, well, I'm not going to. Well, then don't complain about not having a house and affordability. Because I believe you can get a house, you can renovate it, you can do whatever you like, get into the market. It's a stepping stone to get into it. But what are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. And some people won't like me saying that. But it is. Seriously, the amount of money you've got to save... To be able to do that. Yeah, even my parents, I'm pretty sure they paid cash for their house, for their block. Yes. Which back then was probably <sighs> next to nothing. But also, you've got to look at it relative to their wage. Exactly. Yeah. And I think they built the house pretty much themselves. I think my grandparents, they helped. And yeah, but back then building was a lot simpler too. But interest rates were really high. They were ridiculous. They were, I'm pretty sure mum said that it was about 16% or yeah, something there ridiculous was big patches then. There in there, yeah, the, the crazy percentage. Yeah. yeah. Look, my parents, which, funnily enough, my parents have gone into a home and you know, gone to the next stage of life and we've, the, the house settled today. Oh, wow. They've been in that house since 1969. Wow. That's they, a big change. It was. They bought. They never wanted to move. They loved being there. So you grew up in that house? I grew up in that house. Oh. And now, you know, cleaning it out and doing all that. It's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster for me and my brothers and, and, and obviously for my parents more so. But my dad, you know, he was incapacitated. He couldn't help or anything like that. But we, me and my brothers just and all the rest of the extended family just took care of everything. But they stayed in that one house the whole time, you know, and now it's been sold, settled today. and That house is not affordable to for first, a first homeowner. Really? Yep. Wow. And that would be... And it's nothing out there. It's what, a, a 1950s house? No, 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 1960. It was 1968. It was, it was finished in 1969. They bought it from a specky. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Built built two houses, one opposite each other. They mm-hmm. had a choice. And since they, uh, they, they stayed their whole life, did a few modifications, did a big extension on the back of it, an you know, extra bedroom, ensuite, and a rumpus room. Rumpus room was the best thing ever. This thing was huge. We had so many cool parties in the back there and other functions. It was great. But anyway, it was done in 1969. So just think of the location. So the location within Launceston is really good. It's a sort-out area now. So, And it's hard for kids to get into that. No, I shouldn't say kids. They're adults, young adults trying to get into this. It is hard. But I've seen a few of them do it, and they got their focus. They're determined to get their house. If that's what your goal is, do it. But you've got to slave for years to be able to save your deposits and do that or if you want to renovate get something lesser quality Mm. get a unit start with a unit own your unit step up to the next one i agree i most of the advice i give to friends like i've got some friends you know i'm in my 30s now and some of them haven't even bought their first house yet and that's okay that's, that's fine but they they do have to get in their head i think some of them about what they can afford. Well, yeah, and a lot of people think, just go build. 
and it may not be your best option. Maybe it's to buy something, renovate it, but you've got to get the right advice on renovating or mm-hmm. adding value. And yeah. we get asked that a lot. Are we adding value? Are we overcapitalising? I'm a big believer you've got to look at if you're going to spend money to renovate, you need to stay there for a reasonable period of time. I used to say seven to eight years to get the return because the capital gain increase. I'm not quite sure what that would be now. But like you add extra rooms, a lot of people add master bedrooms, en suites, add a second bathroom, add an entertainment area, add a garage. Could be a whole ton of things. Actually, that's one thing that we've noticed probably... It could be as a result of the rising cost of living and interest rates and all of that. Yep. A lot of extensions that we've been, you know, having yep. come through for our inquiries online and that sort of thing. So, you know, that could be a good option. Obviously, first home buyers don't have that option. No, not necessarily. But they can buy a house with something in tension in the future. Yeah, if they, especially if they like the area, plan on being there yeah. long time. Area is a big thing, yeah. Position, 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 you know. And don't have the blinkers on. To think, I need to have this house, this type of house. Start small, pay off lots of your principal, you know, save your money, work hard. That theme has not changed in a very long time. Yeah, and once you sort of get past that first few years of owning a house with inflation, inflation looks after you for the most part, I think. How does inflation help you uh, look after you? It looks after you because... You'll make back your investment oh, one day. Oh, you're talking about capital, like capital gain, the increase yeah, in value. Increase yeah, increase in value. Yeah, well, I don't disagree with that, yeah. But certain financial people will think, oh, maybe better in other things. But on the flip side, if you make a choice that I don't want to be a homeowner, that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm going to get in my soapbox here. Okay, off you go. You've got <laughs> one minute. What I'm really sad to see is that, and I've been reading a lot of articles and a little bit experience this myself is where mum and dad investors and pure hardcore investors where they invest in rental properties are getting sick of the market they're getting sick of the you know they've got to put their prices up to cover their their mortgage mortgage right Mm. they're getting belted on online saying you'll pack of greedy bastards and to be fair there are some there's no Mm -hmm. doubt about that but there's also those that are genuinely need to put it up because they aren't in positive cash flow that go into negative and a lot of some people say hey stop the negative gearing but to be fair you want to be in positive cash flow half the time any most of your time uh, because you're shelling out it's an investment i mean you want to get some sort of benefit you would hope from it yeah exactly right so where i, I really struggle is that now there are a lot of investors are getting out because of the rules that the government are putting in giving people rights that in some cases are fair and not fair, fair to the tenant because they're being abused by a landlord, but vice versa, good landlords are getting put over a barrel and it's not attractive to hold on to these properties. I'm really scared that all these private investors are not wanting to keep their properties, they're going to sell them. Then what happens, there's a whole block of rental properties that are no longer available. If there's not rentals available, where do people go? Yeah, and there's... You know, to, to rely on government for social housing and stuff. And let's face it, there is never going to be enough social housing. Uh, and that's okay, but I think people, social housing has its place and I'm all for it and there's great organisations out there that do it and do it really well. But surely we should have a level of private investors that are able to rent. You've got your professionals and you know that really set up and just rent. If it becomes unattractive, they get rid of it, they sell it. Mm-hmm. That means there's less rentals. 
Yeah. The Airbnb, obviously, that has affected rentals as well. Oh, 100%. But it comes down to return. If you get, and you know this first well, you have a tenant that drives you bonkers and actually abuses their position, abuses the, uh, the building and costs you lots of money and you're not making an income out of it because you're actually repairing the joint, then why would you want to keep it? Oh, exactly. I'll, I'll go invest in something else. You know, exactly. Because that's the whole point. You want to get ahead. So I think the government's got, and a few other things got to be real careful of where some of these rules are heading because that means if there's less rentals and there's a massive shortage all over Australia, where's it going to go? Yeah. It's a horrible thought. It is a horrible thought. Yeah. So talk about affordability, affordability of rentals and yeah. availability of rentals. Yes. You know, so there's all that side of it. Sorry, I digressed a little bit in my little bit of soapbox, but <laughs> I, I'm scared for those people that want to rent or need to rent. Oh, I'm scared for them too. Because I, I reckon that there's going to be a major problem with more homelessness. And and to be fair, with the cost of living at the moment, a lot of rentals are even more than the cost of a mortgage. In some cases, Repayment. yeah. But yeah. They, then they can't get into getting a deposit. Yes. But there are some schemes with the Tasmanian government, but to be honest with you, they're hardly setting the world light on numbers. I'd love someone to come back and, you know, tell me what numbers they are. Mm-hmm. But I believe that their program where it's, it's like a rental purchase thing with the state government, but what the, the amount of houses wasn't a lot. You know? No. And I think we've got to look at trying to do a better job in getting people to rental purchases or rent to buy, whatever you want to call it. So people own their own little castles, whatever it may be. It's affordable. They can make the payments. It's no different to, like you say, paying the rent and you've got an asset at the end of it. Yep. You know, so if you don't have that asset, it makes life hard sometimes. You know, it depends if that's your dream. I've seen plenty of people, you know, they just want to rent and they invest their money elsewhere. Good on you. So affordability, yeah, tough subject. There's going to be lots of discussion of this. It's all through the media. And my empathy goes out to those people that are struggling to find a house, a, you know, roof over their head. It really does. It, and it, there it are saddens a lot. me around Launceston, the amount of tents, tent cities and caravans and stuff, and they're just stuck. Where do they go? Not enough social housing, not enough affordable rentals, or rentals full stop. Mm-hmm. And yet, I can't help but think that, the, and I shouldn't bash the government 100% on this, but the government only has part to play. But when they make rules that it makes it hard or unattractive to private people to have rentals, why bother? And I have seen a lot of people that are now homeless or have struggled to find rentals because the owner has sold the property. Sold the property, I'm over it. Yeah. Or the other thing I've heard a lot of is family have now moved into that house. Mm, mm. They bought it and they moved their own family. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I've got no answers on this. Oh, look, and this is just purely our opinion. Yeah, so it's purely our opinion. Um, I'd love to have a chat with someone about it and maybe correct me or correct us. Yeah, give us some stats. We'd love to hear them. Because um, we've got to do a better job looking after our neighbours, you know. Shouldn't have to live in a tent. Certainly not. All right, we might wrap it up there. Thanks for listening to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. Catch you later. listening to the Building Design Prime Time Podcast.